I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We are going to continue on in this chapter. Last week we talked, uh, spoke to you on the first part of it, which had to do with the covering of the head and the order of, uh, the order of, uh, of authority. And uh, we're moving on into a different area of that same chapter now. That's, that's uh, one that's very important to all of us. And uh, it's the 23rd verse. And so it's interesting that their subjects are totally different. But Paul was dealing with situations and problems that had to do in this Corinthian church with all of these issues. So he's setting everything straight as he goes. So he dealt last, uh, last week as we talked about, talked about uh, the covering of the head and the woman and her role and so forth in the church and how that her head is covered by her long hair. And uh, we spoke to you about that. Today I want you to look at verse 23. And this goes into the subject of what we call communion. And I want you to look very closely here with us. And the reason that Paul addressed this was because that in the Corinthian church, they were doing communion in a very strange way. They were bringing their meals to church and sitting down, they were all eating. They're just eating, eating a meal and they'd bring, this one bring his dinner, that bring his dinner. And it was uh, becoming a thing where the poor people had very little and people who had much had a lot of food. And they'd sit there and eat in front of the ones that didn't have so much. And he said, this is not what the Lord's Supper is really all about. So he said it in order here, and this is what we're going to be looking at here this morning with some very interesting things that's involved here with what Paul had to say about it. It's one of the most uh, complete and detailed uh, instructions that we have on what we call the, the uh, ordinance of com communion in the church. Look at verse 23. I'm going to read down through 26, these uh, few verses. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And uh, there are other scriptures, if you'll look with us in Matthew for a moment, then I'll come back here to 1 Corinthians. If you look in Matthew chapter 26, and I'm reading just four verses here, verse 26, 26, 26 of Matthew, and we'll read down through verse 29. And, uh, and it says here, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this cup, fruit of the vine, rather, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And uh, so this was, and notice here that he said that this is my blood which is shed for many, for, in, for, the, for this remission of sins, for many. He did not say all. 
even though Jesus died on the cross for everyone, uh, only those who receive Calvary receive that by faith and also receive it by uh, the obedience of God's word. And that is the acts of faith, which is repentance, baptism, and receiving his spirit and so forth. They will receive, praise the Lord, that forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins. Now, I want to go back here to 1 Corinthians for a few moments here and talk to you a little bit about some of the things that Jesus said. This is called the Eucharist. It's a the name is also called the Last Supper. It's referred to as communion, the Last Supper, the Eucharist. In the Catholic Church, it's called Mass. And... Uh, the word, the word Eucharist is a Greek word uh, which means gratitude. Gratitude is a Greek, comes from the Greek word gratitude. And it means that we are thankful for the uh, shedding of Jesus' blood and for the giving of his life on Calvary that we might be saved. And so it's called the Eucharist. And uh, with the Catholic Church, both the Roman Catholic Church and the, e the Eastern Orthodox Church. Now the Eastern Orthodox Church if it's in Greece, it's called the Greek Orthodox. If it's in Russia, it's called the Russian Orthodox. If it's in Romania, it's called the Romanian Orthodox. Wherever they have this as a national religion, various countries do, they usually put the name of their country ahead of it and call it, but it's the Orthodox Church. And uh, it's simply uh, a word that they both use. It's called transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation is their belief that whenever communion, let me call it communion or mass, whichever you say it, in their, their words it would be mass. Whenever a mass is received, it is, it is turned into the literal body of Jesus, the bread, and the literal blood of Christ. Literally, they believe that. It's called transubstantiation. The Catholic Church, and the, both the Greek Orthodox and the Roman Catholic, believe that it happens whenever the priest hands the wafer on the on the tongue of the person and they drink the wine they believe that it is done by the priest by the priest and it's called transubstantiation and uh they believe that this literally changed the body and the blood of jesus christ and that's, that's the term for it when martin luther broke away from the catholic church in the 16th century uh, and establish what we know today as the Lutheran Church. The Lutheran Church uh, changed a lot of things that the Catholic Church did, but some things they did not change. They held to the practice of it. One of the things that they held to was they believed in transubstantiation. That is that the, the bread was literally turned to the body of Christ and that the blood was literally turned to the blood of Jesus. Uh, they believed that. But they did not believe the priests had the authority to do it. And so they said it was done by Christ himself or it was done in a heavenly fashion. So they believe that communion is given and communion is received and it must be done in order that we might receive Christ into our bodies or into our lives. Praise God. Uh, I think it's an effort to get Christ inside of us. They believe that this is getting Christ in us. If we can have communion, receive the blood and the body, we get Christ in us. Let me say this. I think that for people who are hungry for God, they want to be able to have Christ inside of them. This is what the Holy Ghost is all about, folks. And this is why the Lord has given his Holy Spirit. That is Christ in us. It's his spirit in us. And it's a very important thing. Because people literally, literally, uh, many parts of the world are very hungry. 
to have Christ inside of them to change their nature, their way, uh, and to give them some kind of an assurance that they're going to heaven. I remember reading about a, a statue of Jesus Christ that was in, uh, in, in, it, in uh, Spain. I think it was in Madrid, in Madrid, Spain, uh, where there was a statue of Christ and it was a chalky, made out of some kind of chalk. And that statue, people would come up to it secretly and look around. Nobody would look around and scrape off some of that statue into a little powdered pack or dish. And they would take it home and they'd mix it with water and drink it, trying to get Christ inside of them. And they kept scraping on that statue until the statue got to be unrecognizable. It had been scraped on so many times by so many people. And all of it was an effort to get Christ inside they were hungry for the Lord, and that's the only way they knew how to do it. So I'm just telling you here that the term transubstantiation is an effort to offer to the people, this is how you get Christ in you, is by receiving communion. And the truth about the matter is that uh, that is not the way it, it happens at all. I'm going to give you some words on it here in a few moments. Now, I want you to look with me, if you would. I'm going to read... Uh, this 23rd and then the 24th verse here together. It says, for I, received, for, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. This is verse 23. Now I'm back in 1 Corinthians 11, 11, 23. For I have received of the Lord that also which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. He took bread. And this is, uh, of course, where communion, and this is the, called the, uh, the New Testament or the New Covenant. Now, what Jesus did was he made a covenant with his disciples. And he told them, he says, as I have done to you, you do unto me. And uh, do this in remembrance of me. And I'll talk to you more about that. But it was an act of doing things in order for us to remember Jesus. And it's called the New Covenant or the New Testament. The New Testament. The Old Covenant. The word covenant means testament. The Old Testament or the Old Covenant was under Moses. The New Testament or the New Covenant is under Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And it was prophesied in the Old Testament. Let me give you a couple of verses. And then I'm going to move on into our subject here today. But uh, if you look with us in Psalms, uh, Psalms 25, 14. Psalms 25, 14 for just a moment here. Look at this very closely with us. This is a prophecy of the, of the Testament of Christ that would come. It says here, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. He will show them his covenant. That was those disciples when they were gathered together in that upper room. And another verse of scripture in Psalms uh, that sort of goes along with it is found in, in, in uh, Psalms 50 and verse 16. Psalms 50 and verse 16. But unto the wicked, God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth. Okay, so the covenant of the Lord was something that was coming. It was prophecy that it would come. And whenever it did, Jesus shared it with his disciples. And I'm going to get into it in detail here. Now, look at verse 24. I'm going back now to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 11 verse 24 and this is where Jesus took the communion or he took the bread brother in his hands first and then later the cup verse 24 and when he had given thanks 
he broke it. Broke the bread. When he had given thanks. Now, before I go any further, Jesus was the prime example unto all of us to always be thankful. Everything Jesus did, he gave thanks. And yet he was God manifest in flesh. Yet he thanked the Heavenly Father, which was a manifestation of God as a spirit. Praise the Lord. You know, God is everywhere. There's no place he is not. Uh, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not a third of God, not a part of God, not just, uh, you know, uh, God Jr. It was God Almighty himself. He said, just so I'm in the Father and the Father in me, so shall I be in you and you in me. And he's in the Father just like a light bulb. The bulb is the tangible, the touchable. It's the part that you can handle. Uh, the light is in the bulb, but the bulb is also in the light because the light's everywhere. So the Spirit of God is everywhere and there's no place that it is not, but it was also in Christ. So when Jesus prayed, praise the Lord, he prayed as an example to us that we might know that we should call on God for everything. Whenever he fed the 5,000, he, he, and he broke the bread and fed the 5,000, he prayed. And before he fed the 4,000, he prayed. But Jesus prayed to show his disciples that they should pray. And they even asked him, Lord, how should we pray? And he told them how that they should pray and so forth. So Jesus believed in being praying. And in his praying, he gave thanks. He gave thanks for what they had. Now, let me say this to all of us folks. Learn to be thankful. Learn to be thankful to Jesus Christ for everything. And when you pray, learn to be thankful in your prayer. Say thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, I know we do, we praise, we praise the Lord for a lot of things and we worship him and we believe in that. And a lot of times we make our petitions known. The Bible teaches us that. But it also says be thankful. And I think a lot of times we need to just say, Lord, I am so thankful. I mean, there's many things we can say, I am thankful. You know, we just go down the line. Uh, let me give you a few verses here in Psalms because Psalms talks about, uh, it's, it's amazing that in Psalms 105, I'm, 105, 106, and 107, the first verse in all three of these Psalms, one in a row, starts out by saying, be thankful. And it says, give thanks. 105.1, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. 106 says, praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good for his mercy doeth forever. And then it goes on with those uh, rest of the words in those Psalms. That's being an appreciative unto God. Verse uh, Psalm 107.1, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good for his mercy doeth forever. And all through Psalms, there is this expression of giving thanks. Then you get into the New Testament. I think it's in the, in the uh, book of uh, Colossians alone. There's about four or five places where Paul is writing to the, uh, to the church of Colossia and he says, be thankful, give thanks unto God, uh, give thanks unto the Lord at all times and things like this. So it is instructed to us to be a grateful and thankful people. Now, let me just say this. When you pray, say, God, I am thankful. I am thankful that you made me. I'm thankful for my existence. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that I exist. I'm thankful that I'm saved and that I'll exist for eternity. That's the, that's the second level of it. I'm thankful that I'm alive in this world, but that's just not enough. We've got to be thankful that the Lord has saved us for eternity. 
Lord, I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my, if you're a woman, I'm thankful for my husband. Thank God for those things. Thank God for my children. Thank God for this one, for that one, for that one, for that one. If you've got ten, thank God for all ten of them. If you've got one, thank God for the one you have. But just be thankful unto God. And tell the Lord you're thankful. Praise the Lord. Amen. You say, Lord, I'm thankful for all my children. This one here, God giving me a lot of trouble, though. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you got, if you got that situation, everything. Well, just pray for him a little harder, amen, or see whoever it is. Pray for him a little bit more, and, and God, God can send some things his way or her way to help you through that and can give you some good words of advice along the way, too. But be thankful. Thank God for your home. Thank God for America. Thank God for the freedom we have. Thank God we can come to church. And nobody's, we don't have KGB agents sitting around in the auditorium listening to everything we're saying. And they write down who said that and who said that. And you don't know if there's going to be a knock on the door at midnight, you know, tonight. Somebody come picking you up and taking you down to question you about what you said in church today. You understand what I'm saying? Be thankful for America. Thankful that we can worship. Thankful for this church. Thankful for the building. Thankful for the pew. They're padded. How many of you remember benches, sitting on benches? Raise your hand way up if you do. Sit on benches where there was no padding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did it. I mean, it was fine. We, we, We got through it okay. It wasn't that bad. Praise the Lord. It was wonderful. No air condition. I can remember when we had fans on windows on one side. We opened all the windows on this side. And the air blew across the church like that. How I many of you remember things like that? Yeah, you've got to be having a little age on you, you know. So you're not, you guys are not old, you're, you're young, but the younger ones don't remember that. But it just blow all the air out over here and suck all the air in on this side. Everybody tried to get on this side. If you came early, if you came late, you had to get over here where it was all going out. Praise God. But we worship God. We glorify God. And we were thankful for what we had. Because that generation remembered when there was no fans hardly, or, or there was a tent outside, you know, or a, a tree that we were all worshiping under, or something of that nature. So folks, in all that we do, let's be thankful. Let's not lose the appreciation to God for all the blessings and the good things he's given us. If you've got an old rattletrap car, be thankful that you've got a rattletrap car. I don't care what kind of car. If you've got a limousine, thank God for it. If you've got a, just an old steamer, just thank God for it. You've got something that you can drive down the street, thank God for it. Praise God. We live better today in modern America than kings lived, used to live in olden days. Honestly, we do. We have more blessings, more convenience, more things, praise the Lord, that's, and, 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 you know we got heat in our houses in the winter. We've got air conditioning in the summer. Praise God, we've got, and uh, I could go on and on, but we've got so much to be thankful for. Thank God for the food on our table. Thank God we have the food. Thank God there's no, there's no ration on that. I've, I've read an uh, article that comes to me. It's an executive news, newspaper that comes out every week. It's a small paper. It sort of gives you what's trending in the world. It is made to go to executives and corporations. And I get the letter, the letter, and they are saying that the storms and the fires, the fires out west and the excessive rainfall in the east is causing havoc in America 
and is depleting the funds to help these areas with these situations to the point that they're expecting now to have some river failures and some water failures out west and farms are going to fail and they're very concerned about about agriculture and the situation at hand and uh, there's some things in the east where they're over flooded and and too much water and so forth and uh, they said that there has never been so much calamity in America now uh, as there, there before as there is now and you know what I think it's because that the Lord's telling America America wake up you got to wake up instead of being so brassy and high-minded and arrogant and and uh, all about yourself we need to say God thank you thank you for America thank you for your blessings it all comes from God it all comes from God and I'm telling you here today and I'm just off on off, off of my own talking here today a little bit but I'm just saying we need to really be thankful for what we have and we have always said it's because of our democracy and I have seen this week our democracy just go all kinds of crazy ways until it's just got everybody in Washington all up in a steamer and everything. And if you've been watching any of that stuff, if you're like me, just turn it off and walk away and say, oh, they'll, they'll have to figure it out the best way they can. That's all up to them. But the thing about it is that the blessings on America has come from God, not from us and not from our system and not from our so-called democracy. We, we try to credit it to that, but we need to accredit God. And say, God, you have blessed America. You blessed us because we've been a nation who's been a giver. You blessed us because we've been good to to Israel or to the Jews, uh, you know, and the, and the Jews that are in America. We've been good to them. Uh, we have been a people who have been good to each other. Praise the Lord, and we have worshipped God and gone to church. We believe in it. We've had a freedom of religion and so forth. But all that stuff is getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And that's getting now where they don't even want. A prayer, you know, to be prayed at a ball game or prayer to be prayed uh, in a, in, at a school function. And they try to push it all out of the way. And uh, so I'm just trying to tell you here today that all these things are coming. But you and I, let's always be thankful. And if we are thankful, God will bless us. He'll keep his hand on us. And Jesus gave us the example of saying, Lord, we thank you. I just want to encourage everybody here, if you haven't been doing this of late, when you pray tonight, or when you pray today, when you go to bed at night, pray. When you pray, say, God, I am thankful. And, and, and think of everything you can to be thankful. Thankful for the clean air we can breathe. Thankful for the water we can drink. Clean water. My, son was, my son's been in Africa and some countries where the kids carry around little yellow or orange jugs trying to find water to drink. They got parasites in their skin, under their skins, and, and even under the, in, in, it put their eye out. And they got one eye because the other one's got a parasite in it. And the missionary said, these children will not live to be adults. Uh, they, they won't even live to be half grown almost because they got so many. And they're trying to find clean water. And that's in some countries in the world. And I'm telling you, you and I can just go to the faucet and drink water and everything. We should thank God for those things. But Jesus taught his disciples, be thankful. And so let me move on here. I want to get into my subject here a little bit more. So when Jesus said given, and when he had given thanks, he break it. Praise the Lord. He gave thanks and then he broke the bread 
and uh, said, this is my body that's broken for you. And he is the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Praise the Lord. And uh, he said, I've come down from heaven and he has given unto us that, and his life must be broken. And he, of course, he's referred to Calvary, that when he goes to Calvary, praise the Lord, his life will be broken for the people. I, uh, I remember when I uh, was first married to my wife, we were evangelizing up in uh, Indiana and uh, we were preaching all around up in that state. We were just a young couple in our early 20s. And uh, there was one of the pastors who said, Brother Myers, I would like to rent an apartment for you and your wife and you just have that as your home base right here at our church and then evangelize out from here. You know, whenever you get revivals, just go out here, but you've got a, you've got a place you can come back to. And I said, I said uh, thank you very much. And so he did that. He was very kind to us. And for a year that we were at this place in this, uh, in this situation, so we evangelized out different churches, different places all around Indiana, but we had this home base. It came Christmas time, no revivals, you know, and my wife says, you know what, I'd like to go home to Massachusetts. She had not been, she's from Massachusetts, Salem, Mass, north of Boston, and I'd like to just go home for Christmas, and I said, let's do it, let's plan it, and everything. So we saved her money and everything, and when Christmas time came, we had a break in our revivals and so forth. Uh, we headed off out over to the over over to the to Massachusetts over there That was my first visit to Massachusetts now some of you I'm going to tell you some things you already know But to me it was the first time we went to Salem Mass. We went to her mother and dad's home and uh, I think it was in Beverly is where it was Beverly Mass and uh, we went to their home in Beverly and everything and I never forget the first morning I was there her dad got up and said, I'm going down to get some bread. I said, wait, I'll go with you. I did not realize what a routine buying bread was to those people who were Italians, French, Greeks, you know, sort of Mediterranean maybe uh, people. They were, they, I mean, the bread was very important to them. Very important. I mean, to me, you buy a loaf of bread in the store, you know, it's all white bread, it's all sliced, all that stuff. You eat fly, you stick in the toaster, you know. Not not them, huh? He said, Go. I went down there with my father-in-law and he introduced me. To, I walked into this store where they were baking it. They had a big oven just roaring and they putting bread in, taking it like, like a pizza thing. Only it was bread. And these people, all these men, there was no women in there, all men standing around. And they're all talking and they all know each other. My father-in-law, we walk in, and he said, hi, Jim. They all say, hi, Jim, hi, Jim. He said, hi, 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 hi. He knows them all. And they do this all the time, every day. I mean, hardly a loaf of bread's left over for the next day. It's eating that day. And he goes in, and the guy baking bread knows what he's there for. He's there to buy a loaf of bread, but he wants it hot and fresh right out of the oven, just like all the rest of them. And they all stand around and chat and talk until their bread is baked and he said okay Willie your bread's ready okay uh, Charlie your bread's ready you know and he puts in the bag whatever it was it was a French bread Italian bread however they or however they liked it or something and finally it came to my father-in-law and they finally said Jimmy your Jim's your bread's ready he got it we walked out I thought man this is a big ordeal just buying a loaf of bread <laughs> but it was very important to them that bread and when they went home, and we got there and got around the table, 
and my mother-in-law had fixed breakfast and my wife and I and we all sat around the table together my mother-in-law said she took the bread and she broke it and she said bread is always to be broken I thought where'd she learn that she said it's never to be cut wow how many of you have heard those kind of things have you ever heard those I see hands all over I mean bread is to be broken not to be cut because it represents the staff of life Jesus Christ was the bread of life it's always to be broken because he was broken my mother-in-law said that she's a Catholic she didn't know anything about Pentecost the Bible I mean I thought you know very little and here I'm learning something from that goes along with the word of God from her and she says bread is to be broken and when Jesus had gotten to eat he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and said this bread is my body that's broken for you because it's broken praise the Lord and I tell you that so that you understand here that when Jesus went to Calvary his body was broken at Calvary for us uh, I do not know and understand the suffering of Christ on Calvary but I know that it was a, it's a terrible thing I want you to look at Daniel chapter 9 with me for just a moment if you look at Daniel 9, uh, let's see if I can find it here. Daniel 9, verse 26. Jesus' body was broken, which means his life was given. And uh, this is a very simple verse, 9:26, where Daniel prophesied the Messiah and that he would be killed. 926 first place that it records that he would die like this and after three score and two weeks he saw three score and two weeks these weeks are weeks of years and it's speaking of 434 years here I won't get into detail but he's prophesying here when the Messiah would come and then after he would come he would be he would he would he would die here's what it said after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off that's the Messiah means Christ the Christ Christ is the New Testament word Messiah is the Old Testament word shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself but not for himself so the Bible tells us here that Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross and so while we are thankful for everything we should always be thankful for Calvary when we receive communion folks be thankful above everything else for the for Calvary and the price Jesus paid on the cross for us that we might be saved Praise God. And so Daniel speaks about it. Uh, let me also refer you to Isaiah. If you look in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 describes the crucifixion of Christ as you would stand there and look at it. If you were standing there seeing it. And it goes on to describe it. I won't read the entire 53rd chapter, but just a few choice words. Look at verse 4. I'm going to read down through verse 6. 4 through 6. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You see, he did not die for himself. He died for us. He broke the bread. That's why we should be thankful because he gave his life for us. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, he had done nothing wrong, but all of the suffering that he went through, he did it for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, 
and with his stripes we are healed. Anytime you experience a healing, say thank God for the stripes you received at Calvary. The Lord received all that abuse that we may have all of these things come our way. The forgiveness of sins and our sins remitted, taken away from us. For, not for himself, for us. And finally, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of, of his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. It was all laid on Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8, and then I'll conclude with this in this chapter here. And much more is said about it in verse 11 and verse 12. So I'll just read verse 8. He was taken from prison, from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off. Cut off means he was killed. He was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. So the Lord did not die for himself. He died for us and everything. And so when we give thanks, we're to give thanks for him. But it is that body that is broken that we might be saved and that we may have eternal life. Uh, let me have you turn to Psalms 22. This is an interesting chapter. This is an easy psalm to remember because this the one psalm before Psalms 23. Everybody knows Psalms 23 just about the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. But 22 is a very interesting sh chapter because it is a chapter that describes the crucifixion of Christ as Christ felt it on the cross. Not as you would look at him standing on the ground, but if you were on the cross in his place, how you would feel. And the very first verse in Psalms 22 says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is what it says. That's what Jesus said on the cross. And when, when it's written in Psalms, it's written in Hebrew. And when Jesus was on the cross, he quoted and said these same words, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me? Because, and he said it in pure Hebrew. He did not say it in Aramaic, which was the language spoken in the New Testament in Israel at that time. But he spoke it in pure Hebrew. Uh, and he began to say these words in Hebrew. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. I can barely say it myself. Sabachthani. You've got to be almost Jewish to say it. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And he says to him, and he says those words on the cross in this Hebrew for saying, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And he said it in pure Hebrew. So that the people at the foot of the cross said, what's he saying? He's calling on Eli. Who's Eli? You know? Because they understood the Aramaic, but Jesus spoke pure Hebrew. And on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? God forsook Jesus on the cross? No, no. He died with your sins and my sins on him. He died as though a sinner would die who did not know God. A man who did not know God and died a sinner. Jesus felt that kind of a death. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Amen. Praise the Lord. This is, very, this is very deep I'm talking to you about. But Jesus felt that load upon him of our sins upon him. Not, he, he knew no sin, the Bible said. He was without sin. He that was without sin took upon himself our sins. And so Jesus took our sins and he took all of our sins. And therefore he felt the hopelessness and the helplessness of a man who dies without God. Without any, without any hope. And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is why Jesus said those words. And he said it, of course, fulfilling 
this Psalms 22 because it is a chapter about the sufferings of Christ. I won't go into a lot of detail. This is an interesting chapter to read sometime. Read it. It's very interesting. Look at verse 16 in that Psalms 22. Look at verse 16. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. This is a prophecy that if this was Jesus Christ. Verse 18, they part my garments among them. They cast lots upon my vesture. That's what happened with Jesus while he was hanging on the cross dying. He had a, a robe that had no seams in it and they could not tear it apart. So they cast lots to see who would get it, called the robe of Christ. Many of you know the story there. There's been a lot of speculation about what happened to the robe and so forth. And then finally, verse 22, I'm going to finish with this. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. I will declare thy name among the brethren. And folks, what Calvary has become also is a bond between us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only did he say be thankful, not only did he speak unto us about the suffering that he suffered and that he, uh, he took that bread and he break it, but he also talked about the bonding the bonding of us. If you read John, especially the, the epistle of John where it talks about the crucifixion, Jesus has a lot to say to his disciples about uh, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. This is how people and the world will know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And that's a very important thing. So not only is communion to represent our love for him and our appreciation to him, and our thanksgiving to him. But it's also to realize that we are all together in one. There's a bond between us. And I feel the Holy Ghost in saying that because all of us need to know that we have each other for a strength. And that's a very important thing. And as time goes along, we will need each other more and more. And we'll need to, we'll need to have each other's support. Don't talk about nobody. Don't talk about nobody. Some of this, some of this, some of this telephone punching stuff, you know, I don't do any of that stuff. I really don't. I'm not big into that. I mean, not big. I don't even do it. I, I'm, I'm so little, you don't even see it. I'm like a lower than a heel on that. You know, all that stuff. But people get on the internet, they talk, 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 talk. Used to women used to get on the phone, talk, 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 talk. Women did that. They blamed the women for it. Men did their share of it too, ladies, honestly. But I am just saying to all of us here, folks, don't talk about your brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. Because, you know why? Because they're blessed of God. The church is blessed. Brothers and sisters in the Lord have the spirit. You are blessed of God. And whenever, I see over in the Bible there, whenever Balak tried to curse you know, the children of God, he couldn't do it. God had a blessing on them. When you start talking bad about something, bad about somebody, talking them down, you know, trying to say something negative about them, you're talking, you're talking about somebody that God has put his blessings on. Be careful you don't get into that area of trying to almost come into the edge of presenting a curse. The Bible says, bless and curse not. Don't talk bad about nobody, but love your brothers and sisters. You know, I got some faults. If you're going to love me, God bless you folks. I know you do, and I appreciate it so much. You're so good to us, my wife and I. But can I just say this? I got some faults. 
you've got some faults we all have some faults the only one that didn't have faults is Jesus Christ thank God for that but I love you you love me we love each other praise the Lord and that's what Jesus brought out in that communion service that there was to be a bond of brotherhood and a bond of sisterhood in that as well that we love each other praise the Lord and I'm just trying to tell you here that when you receive communion just remember Lord we love you and I love my brothers and sisters as well and I often say that's Calvary that's the cross the Lord first love me with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself praise God and I just want to let you know here today folks there's nothing in the world that's even better any better than us just being uh, devoted to the Lord and that we are the part of the body of Christ and the body praise the Lord of Jesus Christ was broken that you and I may be the body of Christ on this earth it was broken for us let me uh, move on I got one I've got about five more minutes three or five four more minutes and I'm going to wind it down here you've been such a good audience here uh, I want you to look at this 24th verse when he had given thanks he break it and said take eat this is my body that's broken for you do this in remembrance of me this is not a commandment from God do it in remembrance and then he goes on to say as oft as you do it uh, I'm looking at the verse of scripture I'm looking for that verse of scripture as often as you do it after the same man also he took the cup and when he had said this is my cup which is broken up do this in remembrance of me but he says for uh, verse 26 for as often as you eat this bread drink this cup you do show the Lord's death till I come as often as we do it it's not to be done except whenever we choose to do so it's not something that has to be done every service there are some even protestant churches that has communion every service they have service the catholic church has uh mass you know on a very regular basis uh i worked for a guy up in south Bend, indiana years ago that owned a milkshake and hamburger series of restaurants all around south bend a very wealthy guy but he was a true catholic very true catholic He'd get drunk on a Saturday night and he'd park his car Saturday night before he fell out, passed out. He'd parked in front of the Catholic Church. I'm not picking on the Catholics. I'm just saying that's this guy. I could give his name and everything. But he'd park his car in front of the church so that on Sunday morning when he woke up, he'd be in front of the church. And he'd straighten his tie up and stagger inside and go in there and make his confession known, take communion. And then he's back in grace with the church. No sins at all. Sins have been wiped away. Whatever he did the night before, it's all gone, you know. Well, that was the way he did it. And, of course, they felt like that that, that uh, communion, it had to always be done. And he was very loyal and very faithful to that. But let me just say this, as often as you do it, praise the Lord. It doesn't have to be done on any particular time. Uh, but uh, we try to do it, you know, I know we do it at Easter time. We try to do it, we do it at Christmas time. And uh, sometime during the year, we'll have it all of a sudden. We'll come in here and pastor will have it all set up here for us, you know, for us to receive communion. And can I just say here today, when we do receive communion, let's just say, Jesus, I love you. And worship God. It is a beautiful time to worship God, glorify his name, and magnify the name of the Lord with all of our heart. Hallelujah. Can everybody say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Next week, I'm going to finish this. I got a serious side of this to talk to you about. Very serious side of it. 
God bless you. Let's all stand together. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Let's worship him. God bless all of you for being in the house of God here this morning. Hallelujah. Let's praise him together. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. God, you're so good to us. So good to us, Lord. Keep your hand on us. Bless your people. Your people call by your name. God, we are nothing without you. We need you every day, Lord. We need you in the morning. We need you in the evening. God, we ask you to bless our services coming up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.